0: Welcome to another episode of the Black Boy Fly podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Isaac Adai. Today is a special edition. We are in Austin, Texas at AfroTech, the biggest black gathering in tech. And I have two dope, dope, dope brothers with me. I have Daniel Lapong, Gerald Anoha. I want to hear you guys' story, and then we're going to have a conversation about whether Ghana Jalaf or Nigeria Jalaf is better. Ghanaian yeah, I know that. Don't even start. We there already start. know that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Daniel, you go first. Tell us who you are, what you do, and what, what impact you're making in the world.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Isaac. Uh, really glad to be here. So I'm Daniel, founder of Courage Collective. Courage Collective is a consultancy that focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion work. We've worked with Fortune 500 uh, companies all the way down to 10-person startups. I also founded a company called Boundless, which is focused on creating access for black and brown folks and marketing, consulting, and tech. Really untraditional background, bro. So I, I don't even... I started in nonprofit. profit found my way somehow to venture capital, got a master's at Gonzaga University. Uh, right. It's been a really untraditional path, but thankful to be doing the work that I'm doing now. And
0: you're an athlete, you played football in college.
1: Yeah, I went to school to play football originally. Uh, so I played football at Abilene Christian for a couple of years and then transitioned into just working. So. Love it, love
0: it, yeah. love it, man. You do a lot of incredible work. We're gonna unpack some of what you do.
2: Gee, Gerald. I boy. Let's, yeah. Let us know who you are. Uh, all right. I'm Dr. Gerald huh? I am an internal medicine physician, not in tech yet.
0: <laughs> That's Soon science, come. though. That's yeah. science.
2: I came to AfroTech to learn a, b- a bit about you know, technology and how I can start to scale some of the things that I have you know, in my mind. Yep. So I'm an internal medicine physician. I'm going into private practice eventually at some point, and I'm thinking that healthcare is going to be digitized in the next 10 years or so. And so I'm looking forward to being at the tip of the spear when it comes to that. I also run the organization Everybody Versus Racism, which is an organization with the sole mission of eradicating racism wherever it is. Uh, We like to focus mainly on putting black and brown people in spaces. And so with doing that, we know that we have to be in touch with the people and times and technology is the best way to do that.
0: I love it, man. Yeah. And what I love about you guys is y'all do multiple
2: things, right? sure. And I think
0: there's a reason. So if you've read my book, Black Boy Fly, I talk a lot about my heritage being from West Africa, Ghanaian ancestry, and that journey. Gerald is of Nigerian ancestry. (laughs) Daniel's Ghanaian ancestry. So, you know, we got the Ghana life Ghana July vibing over here. For sure. But um we hey. were all born in this country. Though. Oh yeah, for sure. All born in the United States. And so let's talk a little bit about what that means because there's a lot of people here that are from different ethnicities. Yeah. I don't think that the African experience in America is shared as much. That's what I you know put the book and the podcast out for. So maybe just give me some insight starting with you, Daniel, on what yep. was it like growing up in America being Ghanaian?
1: Yeah, it's super interesting because I think the uh, joke that I usually go to is... (laughs) Don't say it. When you're (laughs) a Ghanaian, you can be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, Engineer. get your PhD. Those are your options, options, right? And for me, I wasn't really interested in that path. I was more interested in creating, right? And and the idea of innovation and bringing ideas to life. And so I think my dad is an academic. He has a PhD, uh, associate dean of graduate school. That was the expectation for me and all of my siblings, but we just wanted to go a different path. And now fast forward to now all of us are entrepreneurs in our own way and so we all found our way kind of a a different untraditional path in my family but yeah that's the expectation when you come over as an immigrant kid it's academia or bust and I think we wanted to take a different path and that really wasn't lit for us it wasn't illuminated it wasn't until I found another black man who was a co-founder of a venture capital fund where I realized that there could be a different path for me that wasn't academia.
0: Yeah, and I love that because same thing in my family, full of academics. The academic path was the only option unless you were doing engineering or law, but we've all had to find our way. But I think our families came here looking at opportunity and they knew those pathways would lead you to the promised land, right? And we're creating new pathways G. Nigerian background, Nigerian-American. Well, Talk know, to me. Talk yeah, you to know, me. my
2: path was a little bit untraditional than most Nigerians, right? So I grew up in a single-parent home. My mom is actually African-American. She grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. And so I would spend the summers with my Nigerian family and, of course, the rest of the year with my American family. But, you know, I was mainly in, influenced by America, American culture, and things like that. But where I grew up in poverty. And so uh, where I grew up, People didn't go to school. E- education was not the, prim- the primary thing to do, of course. Uh, I dropped out of high school in the 10th grade. And so when I dropped out of high school, I didn't have education on the mind. I didn't have my future in the mind. But I got around some people through a mentorship program with the Boys and Girls Club. I don't know if y'all ever heard of Boys and Girls Club <laughs> and Upper Bound and things like that. They got me back on track. Yeah. And you're going to love this story. So okay. the way I got into college was I went to a summer program at Tennessee State University. Yep. yep and i went through the program i was in the physics program and i liked it and the director said hey i want you to come to tsu and i told her i didn't have the grades to get into college at the at that point i had a gpa i think about 2.2 Yep. and i said i don't have the grades and so she said that she was going to write a letter to the president of tennessee state university dr hefner and so he called me into his office and he was like I'm gonna give you one chance, you only get one chance. And I got my degree in astrophysics, well, physics and astronomy. From there, uh, I was working, um, I was gonna be an astronaut at one point and then I decided to be a physician. So I went to Meharry Medical College, got my degree in medicine. Then I did my graduate work at Dartmouth College and then now I'm a practicing physician. I love it, I love it. Yeah. You brothers are really changing
0: the world and making an impact in the community. Much respect, profound respect for you both. Let's talk about one thing specific, and that's blackness. Blackness is being challenged globally, right? If you are a person that embraces blackness, you often face systemic racism, discrimination, you're often underestimated, but we are also African. For sure. So how do you view blackness given your
1: Africanness? It's an interesting question because I, I grew up as a third culture kid, not yeah. fully feeling a sense of belonging in either space. Yeah. Yeah. When we go to Ghana, we don't speak tree, right? right? right. So people would give us shade about that. Yeah. Yeah. But then Growing up here, we didn't have traditional things that a lot of American families do. We didn't uh, get phones when right. we were our right. uh, cars when we were sixteen. Right. Uh, my parents hadn't heard about yearbooks or yeah. prom or yeah. anything yeah. of that what nature. Interesting yearbook. yearbook. I know, what I know, but it's Same. like we didn't integrate, right? Into <laughs> yeah. culture, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. it was an interesting thing, and I think for me personally, it's just been a, a matter of reflecting on my own identity: who am I, and who do I want to be in the world? Yeah. I think there are aspects of uh, being black, like it's one of those things that's inherent diversity. Yeah. People see it and it's immediate, right? Right. Other aspects of diversity, maybe people aren't as visible. right? But being black I mean, it's something that people experience immediately. And so I think for me it's been a whole experience of integrating what does that mean to me as someone who comes from Ghanaian background, presents black in America, has been one of the few in a lot of the spaces that I've worked in, right? Like how do I navigate that identity? So that's something that I think about a lot. So one
2: thing that I'm learning now is Black is a spectrum, you know, just because you're African-American or just because you're African or because you're an Islander, that does not make you black uh, or not black. And we all experience the same type of things that all black people experience. Systemic racism. We experience discrimination, things like that. And so what I'm learning now is like, anytime I see a black person, regardless of where they're from, whether they're African-American or Nigerian or Islander or wherever, I try to pull them in because I know that they're struggling in a certain way. And I want to be that buffer for that struggle. So I want to help you get to where you're going, wherever that is, regardless to what ethnic background you come from. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: love those perspectives. I asked that question because I struggle with with blackness, quite frankly, growing up right. Daniel mentioned third culture. I grew up in the South, Mississippi, Arkansas, I was the African folks' kid.
2: The African booty scratcher, right? I was the
0: African booty scratcher. I'm super chocolate. Every day I was reminded that you black as hell and your parents talk funny. And it's like, that's normal to me. For sure. But it was strange to everybody else. And so at one point when I was younger, I shied away from my ancestry. I didn't want people to know I was Ghanaian because it came with ostracization. I didn't, I was singled out. But as an adult, that's my superpower, and I've tapped into it in a way where I think it's beautiful because I get the best of both worlds, and so it's great to see you all thriving in your blackness, blackness, understanding those nuances. So let's shift gears a little bit. We're at Afrotech. There's a bunch of founders here. There's a bunch of business people here. So let's talk about business and entrepreneurship and what you guys are doing. Daniel, you've had an incredible run. You've led and built some, some awesome businesses. Talk to me, man. What you got going on?
1: Yeah, so my main thing right now is the Curse Collective. And so I started that in 2020. Like a lot of folks, it was... uh pretty disillusioning and galvanizing experience. I think the black experience came into full focus in 2020. What's been interesting is to see which companies have kept that same energy, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of them have. And so for me, yeah, I started The Curse Collective. We do consulting strategy work and we do learning and development for large organizations. We've worked with anywhere from Fortune 500 companies all the way down to 10-person startups. Thinking about how do we create cultures where people can really thrive? Yep. I, I think a lot of DEI right now is calibrated towards just increasing representation, but that doesn't answer the question of what happens when those people actually get into the organization, Thanks. right? And so that's we're trying to have a more holistic, human-centered approach to DE&I work. Uh, and then on the question of representation, I started Boundless, which is largely focused on getting black and brown folks opportunities in marketing, and consulting, and tech lots of barriers for me like i said i mean my dad wasn't going to drive me towards any kind of innovation or tech opportunities it wasn't until i kind of stumbled my way into venture capital that i started to understand oh there's some possibilities here right and so i think for me it feels like an imperative to put other people on and so that's kind of what i have that i've been working on uh recently
2: love it love it g of course you know for the past two and a half years i've been working on COVID. i ran my COVID war for two and a half years yeah but i started absolutely I started Everybody Versus Racism after the incident with George Floyd. At the time, I was the only black male doctor in my hospital. And so trying to explain to my colleagues that there were atrocities that are going on uh, uh, you know, against black people became a little, you know, uh, a point of, conf- uh, of conflict. Sure. Uh, when, when George Floyd happened, I went to the nurse's station. I put the video on the screens at the nurse's station. I said, no person regardless to color, should ever, you know, should ever die right. for nothing. Like, right.
1: Right.
2: not armed, right. not a threat, why did George Floyd die? Yeah. And it was there that I started to see some of the biases that kick in when systemic racism in the back of people's mind, you know, has, has that influence. And so I started Everybody Versus Racism as conversations to have in my hospital to let people know that, you know, Black people have been going through these things for 400 plus years, and you know this isn't right. We need more equality. We need more equity. Yeah. And so from there, of course, um, we did some programming in Nashville. Uh, it started to to get to get big to blow up. Some of that was with you know some of the programs sure. that you and sure. I did together. Sure. And now what I'm thinking is, okay, how do we put black people in spaces yeah. where you know people don't normally see black people and let them let them be who they are in their culture so one thing that I do in the hospital which is my own you know protesting I wear my Jordans every day in the hospital (laughs) every single day so every black boy every black woman every person that identifies as black when they come to the hospital they see a real black man I'm wearing J's I got my white coat on and I'm coming in I'm like how you doing I'm Dr. Anoha and you know some of the people, they look at me up and down, they say, oh, you, you the doctor. I'm, like, I'm him, that's me. I love and so it, I, use, I use black culture as my platform because yep. I don't want to switch up that's- wherever I am. Sure. And then people say, well, you know, you're just like everyone else. No, mm-hmm. I want you to see that I'm black. And yeah. so that's, what, that's one of the things yeah. I keep in the back of my mind when we talk about everybody versus racism.
0: I love that nod to authenticity and to sure. finding your way. I'm wearing some dope African Ghanaian attire. Yeah, I thought you was gonna wear I, that Kentucky. crop. Right, I'm rocking the curls. <laughs> yeah. But our younger version of Isaac, wouldn't be able to move in the world in this way and be sure. fully authentic because I had been in environments that had conditioned me and told me that that was not acceptable. Right. But now I've discovered my power in that way. So we've got an audience. We've got a lot of great people at Afrotech. They're here to learn. They're here to break into tech. They're here to get jobs. So let's, let's share some insights. What are some things you would want to tell young people that are here in Austin? They're either looking to get into tech. They're launching the business. They're trying to gain some traction and,
1: and level up. Share some nuggets. Bro, we could have a whole conversation about entrepreneurial (laughs) insights (laughs) and failures, right? Bro, so many. But I think, so, first, what I would say for people who are job seekers, focus on transferable skills, right? Like, you have a lot of things that you can do. On paper, you may not meet the description but you have transferable skills that are relevant, that could be successful in a bunch of different careers. When I took my job as a talent director at a venture capital fund, I had never worked in venture, never worked in healthcare, never worked in tech, didn't even know what a head of people does, and that was the job that I got. So on paper, I had no business even having a conversation, but I still pursued it, and it turned out to be a major game changer for the rest of my career. So that's number one. When I think about entrepreneurship, uh, I think, let me frame it this way. A good idea isn't a good idea unless it solves a problem. And you know you're solving a problem if someone's willing to pay you for it. And so practically, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I have a great idea about this, but you don't know who it's solving a problem for and no one's willing to pay you any money to solve that problem. It's not a viable idea. So that's one of the main things that I saw working in entrepreneurship. I think there are a lot of people who are motivated and driven, and so I would ask, what is the problem you're solving and who are you solving it for? And then based upon who you're solving it for, how do you then scale that idea? So that's a whole conversation. We can talk about failures in entrepreneurship, but those are a few things that come up for me. And and before
0: you go in, Jer, let me just give you your flowers, brother, because I talked to Daniel a lot before I transitioned out of academia into a full-time role at Pivot. And he was giving me some insights and he said, Isaac, you're not betting on a business, you're betting on you. For sure. Would you bet on yourself? And I said, hell yeah. He was like, then there's, no, there's nothing to think about. So thank you, brother. Thank you, you for it, that.
2: <laughs> Go ahead, G. So For me, being your authentic self is more valuable to me than everything except for skill. So if you have the skill and you're being your authentic self, then there's value in that. And so one thing that I've noticed about society is everything is based around black culture but for some reason we get to these you know fortune 500 companies and we tuck who we are why so that we can fit in why would we do that and so being your authentic self allows you to present yourself in that valuable way right. so that people see what you're worth and so for me like i said when i go to the hospital i'm in my jordans every day some, sometimes i wear the little bronze, sometimes depending on how well they hey, do up with bronze. but <laughs> you know But when there's a large population of black people that come into the hospital. And so the first year when they saw me, they said, okay, this is a black guy from black culture. He's a doctor, he knows what he's talking about. He's treating my mom, my dad, treating me. He's knowledgeable. And now the people are coming to the hospital to see me. Mm, And it's because I'm being my authentic self. And so I think that one day that's gonna transfer into me being able to go off on my own because I know that the people know who I am, and they know when they see me, they see the authentic Gerald, so. Love
0: so. it, love it. So look, the name of this podcast is Black Boy Fly, which is titled after my book, but it's really about encouraging anybody of any background to fly high and reach their dreams. For sure. Right? Knowing that you're gonna go through some stuff. So before we wrap, if you don't mind being vulnerable for just a brief moment, share a struggle and share how you overcame that struggle so that you could fly.
1: Yeah, I have a couple that come up for me. Go so for first, I know we're in a season of a lot of tech companies laying off employees. Man. I got laid off twice in my professional oh, career. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yep. Wow. Got laid off twice. And I think it's really interesting when you go from having something to kind of being with nothing mm-hmm. and having to figure it out. And I think the point that you made earlier about having to bet on yourself and figure out, like, who am I? what do I really want and what do I value and what do I wanna create in the world? And right. those being some of the drivers for me. So I think having to calibrate from getting laid off, and I know we're in a tough and tenuous yeah. environment right now, yeah. right? So I think that's one of the things, like having that struggle. And then I think with entrepreneurship, uh, one of the struggles that I would share, it's just so interesting, man. I mean, you can have a great concept and even have a signed contract, but the money's not real till it's in your bank account. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Which could be 90 Good days thanks. later. Bro, uh, <laughs> Yo, especially working with these large corporations, man, man, I mean, you'll sign a six figure deal and it could be three to six months before they pay you. right? Right. And so I think for me, one of the challenges has been how do we continue to scale the business, do it in a way that feels aligned with number one, what I value and then number two, how I want to work. Right. And then also, like, how do we consistently generate revenue? It's a whole thing. And so I think for me, I mean, we're growing quite a bit and we've had a really we 3X'd our revenue this year from last year so we've we've grown a ton but it's also been a matter of like how do we practically scale the business not burn too much cash spend the money that we need to spend and make the investments that we need to make and so you know we had a deal this year a six figure deal that signed contract they end up terminating the contract because they got a new director Uh, and so we had been planning on that revenue for whatever it was nothing that we did they just wanted to pull their training in-house wow that money doesn't go in our bank account so then what do we do and so we recalibrate and then i think in that next window it was really interesting we were able to cover that and probably 50 percent more with some of the new contracts that we got so it's one of those things that you can hang your head and be like damn like what are we going to do? Which we kind of felt away for a minute, but then you got to bounce back and keep it moving. And so I think th- those things like the resilience that yep. entrepreneurship creates yep. and having to really figure out like, do I believe in this enough to keep going no matter the obstacles? And then if the answer is yes, then you just keep it moving. So Love those it. are a few that come up for me.
2: Love it. G, go ahead. What you got? And hey, mine is a little more personal, bro. Yeah. Like, you know, like I said, I dropped out of high school in the 10th grade and some of that was me feeling like I wasn't enough. Mm. And so, for a lot of my life, I, I went, I was going through life with that imposter syndrome of, you know, maybe I'm not smart enough, maybe I'm not good enough, you know. I was in this I was in this thing, and I know you guys can relate, where I'm too African-American to be Nigerian. I'm too Nigerian to be African-American. So, yeah. I never yeah. really fit yeah. into anybody's group, anybody, sure. you know, any, any place, but, you know, When finding myself and realizing that I had all the tools that I needed within me, all I had to do was work on them, I started to go after the skills. And once I started building my skills, my confidence started to go up. And when my confidence went up, that's when I started to see the results. And so, you know, I keen into working out, to lifting weights, right? Like, you're in the gym, you can only lift the bar up. You're like, oh man, I can only get it three times. You look around, you're embarrassed. (laughs) <laughs> but if you keep lifting that bar, the next week you can add five pounds on it. The next week you can add 25 pounds on it. And before you look up, you got those 45 plates on there. Then yep. you're like, okay, now I'm doing something. So, like, feeling like that you're enough and knowing that you have all the things within you, all the skills that pe- that you see people have, they acquired. you can acquire those things too. It just takes a little grit, a little perseverance. You can do it.
0: Love it, love it, man. This has been an incredible conversation. Again, we're live at Afro in wild. Austin, Texas. 11,000, 12,000 people moving around in the tech space. We're having a blast. Thank you, two brothers, for stopping by the sound booth. Yeah. How can people connect with you for before sure. we dip, before we wrap up? All
2: before. right. You can uh, follow me on Instagram, Dr. Gerald Noah, huh? Uh If you like social justice, we're everybody versus racism on Instagram also and um yeah our website is everybodyversusracism.org love it
1: but for us the courage collective so you can go to our website the uh and then you can find me on linkedin or ig so love it linkedin is just my name and then ig underscore daniel05 love it again this is
0: dr isaac adai host of the podcast find me on isaacadai.com can i make one shout out yeah yeah for sure for sure sure.
2: i gotta shout out morgan DuBon. Yes, sir. I've never team. been to Afro, Afrotech. This is amazing to see so many yeah. black, yeah. beautiful people, black yeah. excellence. I've, I mean, it's, and it's wonderful. And next year you're
0: gonna have a, you're gonna be on the executive stage. We'll see. So, I, hope, I hope. Oh no, we'll it's see. done. It's done. That's Daniel too. Appreciate All right, it, fellas, thank you guys so much. Tap in with the Black Boy Fly Movement. Visit us, BlackBoyFly.club. Check out the book. Check out the podcast. Love to hear from you. Thank you. All right,
2: thanks, guys.